Thank you, God, for always reminding us how we are always walking each other home. Thank you for reminding us that we need each other. Starborn and God-loved, Miriam, Arit, Darlene, the universe awaits your gifts. Thank you so much, Thomas. You're welcome. Thank you for anchoring in the presence. I'm really grateful for the space you brought in. Thank you. Darlene and Irit, are you both there? I'm here. And thank you. I'm here. Wonderful. So welcome, everyone, to tonight's healing teleservice. There are some new people that have not attended a Celebrating Life teleservice before, so I especially welcome all of you. And anyone who will be listening to this recording later on, we welcome you as well. Thank you all for being here right now. Tonight's theme is Become Limitless, A Gift of Light. And this theme is very pertinent to where we are in the world right now, just with everything going on. And there's just so much healing presence that is available right now for each one of us and has been building as we have been sitting and praying and opening up for this teleservice to happen. So let's just take a moment before we start to everyone to set your intention to receive tonight. So just take a moment to place your hand on your heart and allow what's in your heart to come forward as your prayer, as your intention for healing tonight. And Reverend Darlene, would you please lead us in prayer to help us anchor in this intention and healing space? Yes, thank you. Divine, Holy Spirit, Holy Mother, the flesh of my fingertips touch the memories of humanity within you. Come, Holy Spirit, Yeshua Jesus, Ave Maria, intercessors, Padre Van Ross, Raphael, Paramahansa Yogananda, we invoke your presence. There are healing prayers moving through us as we are guided this very moment, this presence, to become limitless in this light, the light that is not seen with human eyes, only your holy eyes, Lord. Only your holy eyes. This, this night, is a night of light, limitless light. Speak in this light, Mother. Come. Now. Come. Now. Come. Now. The mystery of silence is not tonight. We will listen and manifest through the one heart. You, so be it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, so as we tap into that expansive field that was just opened up even more with Darlene's prayer, we can just really feel and access that space of non-conditional love, non-conditional peace, 
and joy. And let's use the inspiration of the stories that we will hear tonight to help each one of us receive a blessing and let go and allow a newfound freedom to come in. Tonight, Irit will share with us how her father, Zoli, and maybe other family members were able to stay connected to the light while experiencing unfathomable trauma that most of us can't imagine happening in our lives. And as you might have heard in the bio, or if you, if you joined a little later, Irit Schaefer is a, an amazing healer who many of us have actually worked with in our community. And she wrote a book about healing and connection, which is called Good Blood. And so a lot of the stories that she'll be sharing come from that book that she wrote. So, Irit, I'd like to start by asking you about the twinkle in your father's eyes. You know, I've heard you say often that no matter what happened to your father, he always had that twinkle in his eye. In his eye. And though, even though he was in a Hungarian concentration camp during World War II, and then in a Russian or prisoner of war camp, and then shot six times and miraculously survived, and then had challenges of immigrating to Israel and Canada. He, it, I've always heard you talk about that twinkle. But can you say more about what you experienced in your dad and where that twinkle came from? Perfect. I'm going to start off with what created the tw- what was a big piece of the twinkle. So when I was a little kid, I had two parents who survived the Holocaust. My mom was in major trauma in many areas, and it was forbidden to speak about anything. But she did have her light, anything about the war, and if she said the wrong thing, she could faint because she was so stressed out about it. But she was in her light when she cooked and baked and was of service. My dad, on the other hand, was sharing stories from his, he was in a Hungarian forced labor camp and had to escape to survive and escape to the lesser of evils with the Russian, Russian side and got shot six times. And he would share stories with me as if it was a superhero story, a story a little kid could hear and go, wow, all the time. So he shared that he got shot and then he had a dream. And then he woke up and he ended up being saved miraculously and he had the bullets taken out without medicine and he didn't scream. And to this little kid in me, I go, how's that possible? If I have a splinter, I try not to scream and of course I cry or whatever. I would ask him, how is it that you could have the bullets taken out without medicine and not scream? And he would say he had good blood. And I said, do I have good blood? And he'd always laugh. And my curiosity for what is good blood? How is it possible? How could you heal from six bullets, a gangrene arm, no medicine, which is what he had after. And that good blood piece always stayed with me. So when I started writing the book, I researched and I finally met my relatives in Europe that I'd known since childhood through the stories. And my great aunt Ellie, who was the closest person to an angel, who survived Auschwitz, and forgave the Nazis. And she was so close to my dad. They were very, very similar. And she shared with me the dream. And the dream was he died. And he was in this field that was just so magical and vibrant. And it was all about the light. And everything was more calm and peaceful than anything he'd experienced. And it went on for affinity. And then his sister's voice, who he was, who was 
very, very close to, called him back. And so he came back in the pool of blood. Now, he didn't know at the time that anything about near-death experiences, nor did he know it throughout his life, but he knew about the dream. And what was interesting about the dream is that's where he tapped into divine presence, that light of divine presence. That's beyond any religion. That's beyond any judgment. And that divine presence is one of the foundational pieces of the twinkle of the eye because that divine presence stayed with him. We can call it light. We can call it God light. That space where wisdom happens, where miracles occur, where the creativity lives, where the impossible is possible, where the belief in possibility occurs. And an interesting piece of that twinkle, which is the, the divine presence space, is that when he was in the Russian POW camp and the situation was horrendous, and he actually was there, he, wasn't, he couldn't leave until 48 where he escaped, actually. So three years after the war, they still kept him. And during his time there, the Russian officers liked to play chess. And my father knew that day that was so cold, so bitter cold, and they, they didn't have enough food, they didn't have enough clothing, they didn't have enough of anything. The Russian officers didn't have enough food, so imagine the prisoners. And my dad knew that if he would go outside with the men, most of them would die. And he had that divine presence light to guide him and go, what do I need to do so we could stay inside? And so he challenged one of the the chess players, the officer, who gained the chess and said, I'll beat you within, and he was a very good chess player prior to the war. And he said, I'll beat you in less than 10 moves. And the officer said, and he said, and if I win, we stay inside. And if I lose, you kill me. And at that point, it, it didn't matter. So the officer said, sure. And he played him. And my dad beat him. And the officer said, we have to play again. So my dad played again, and they played a third time. And then he let everybody stay inside. So my question to all of you is, whenever you're exhausted and tired and just you have no energy, how do you tap into that space where you can play a game of chess, where you can have that wisdom, where you can have that wherewithal? And that's the divine presence that allows us to go beyond what our thoughts can do, to go beyond what we think is possible. And that divine presence was with my dad always. And I'll I'll sort of talk more about it. But that's the foundational piece that allowed for possibility. So good blood is about the divine presence, about the light that allows for possibility. I would start with that. Thank you. Yeah, I love how you said that the the twinkle was the actual divine presence. And... Mm -hmm. And that was felt by not only you, but those around him. They were right. able to experience that divine presence through him, even when right. they were in those horrible conditions of the camp or right. wherever else they might have been. Right. How do you feel that that divine presence or that twinkle or that, that way of being that he was holding, how do you think that helped? others connect in their life or what did did your dad share any stories with you about how that impacted others around him well I'll share about his beliefs and that's going to lead into that one of the things my father always said is he had to focus on what he could do not what he couldn't because if he focused an iota 
on the shadow or the trauma or something he had no control over, he knew that he would die. If he focused on how he could help others, then he would have the energy to keep going. And that focus of the space of light rather than the space of shadow was something he had to practice every second of every day, despite whatever went on. And so one of his belief systems is there's a positive in everything. And he lived his life that way. And what's interesting is when I was teaching, I was a high school physical education teacher and I was a coach. And I had a principal who wasn't very supportive and a vice principal who was extremely supportive. And I was in a school of 900 students. And my vice principal always supported the students he, all, he came to our games. He helped support when I was raising money with the computers when it was the beginning of the computer era. And he was just so kind. And when I stayed late, he would invite me over to his house and his wife would cook dinner for me so that I had food before I went home. And he was kind to everyone. The interesting piece about that was he was German. And in the school of 900 people, there was maybe six or seven Jewish people, me being the most Jewish. And they had prejudice against him because the rumor was that wasn't substantiated. When he was 16, he was in the SS. And if he was, he was forced to, but they could not forgive that. They decided they wanted to have hatred for that, and it always bothered me. And I asked my father, and I included that in the book. I said, I was just so upset about that. And one of the things my dad said is, it's human nature. People always need someone to blame, especially when they're scared. No matter where you go, you will encounter good and bad. The important thing to remember is that during the war, there were some people who risked their lives to help us. And he went on and he said, many people don't realize what they're thinking is not true. And then they make assumptions based on what is not true. And so for some people, it's easier for them to blame someone. And it's not only to blame someone else, but we blame ourselves. We blame God. We blame because they need someone to be mad at. And my dad was so happy that Oscar could help me. Um, the vice principal. And he also shared that it's not the color of somebody's skin. It's not the religion. It's what's inside a person's heart that's important. And divine presence is what's inside people's heart. And so one of the things he was able to do is he was able to let go of preconceived notions and just look in people's hearts without the prejudice And one of the things that he was able to do, which I noticed my whole life, is when he was upset or was he was worried or he was in judgment, he always paused. He said, I'm going to sleep on it. He never reacted. He paused. Now, he practiced this. We can pray for it, but we have to practice it. And most of us are not in this contrast of life or death to practice it, but we have to want to practice it. And he would let go of any angst or anything he had before he spoke to people. And so he didn't have, he had that light all the time when he spoke to people because he never wanted to blame anyone. I never heard him badmouth people. He would be upset about certain things, but he wouldn't be gossiping about them. And he'd always try to, he'd wait until he had the divine presence in him so he can have the wisdom of what to do. And as a kid, I thought, these people aren't being nice to you. How come you're not saying anything? 
And I thought he was weak, but he was just pausing, waiting for the right time because he knew that if he blamed, he wouldn't be in that space that we need for healing. And that's for all of us. How many of us blame ourselves? How many of us blame others? How many of us can't let go of that angst that's inside of us? And we're so focused on it even though we want to let it go. And that's something my dad had to practice all the time. And that's something we have to practice and we can't do it alone because it's our blind spot. And that's why we get help. But we have to recognize, we have to become aware that when someone does something, how does it make us feel? And so many, many psychiatrists and psychologists go, it's a coping mechanism when you blame yourself or others or when you have that angst in your heart that you can't let go of. And because underneath that, they don't want to feel. And it's easier to let go of that angst than to feel the healings. And it's like you have to feel it to heal it. My dad lived it. So it was interesting. And here we are on this conversation. My dad never shared his near-death experience with him or his, his death experience. And the reason why, and I asked my Aunt Ellie, who was in the book and who was the closest person to an angel I've ever met, and the one who forgave the Nazis, as I mentioned earlier. And she said, because after the war, when he came back, and everybody thought he had died because they were told he died, because the three people that escaped with him saw the machine gun fire in him, and they ran back to the camps and said that Zoe had died. And when he came back, he told the story of the dream, because he didn't know what else to call it. And the, the reaction was, Crazy Zoli, look at the crazy things he says for the war. Poor Zoli, what a crazy man he's become. And what my father knew was they didn't understand. So one of his favorite lines to me is, you don't understand, but one day you will. And I, I would laugh, but now I realize the seriousness. Imagine if you were in this call right now, being able to share that he, wasn't, he was the one who had the wisdom. And this is what he wants to impart to all of us. That's what we all want that divine presence and recognizing when we blame people, we lose that space. When we blame ourselves and are really hard on ourselves, we lose that space. When we blame God, we lose that divine presence, whatever we want to call it. And yet he had to do this alone. And that space he lived in, he, he could look at the kindness in people and he always saw the positive. So he had that space that encouraged people. So when I had a reunion with my uh, elementary school if, uh, class. If we, yeah. If, can I just interject for of one course. second? Yeah. I just think you brought up something that's really important for us mm-hmm. to pray on right now. Perfect. What, what you were just saying in terms of blame and holding on to angst or anything like that and how that really prevents us from tapping into the light. And so the right. more that we're, if we're doing an action or even holding a prayer with angst in ourselves, then that's not really allowing the light to flow. And so I'd, I'd love for, I mean, I know we've all experienced this in our lives where we have had anger come up or had some um, intense emotion come up where it was really hard to let go of and we wanted to stay in that we wanted to stay angry or we wanted to stay blaming or we wanted to stay upset because we couldn't let it go. And there might still be parts of us 
that are holding on to things. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot about sides in terms of Israel and Palestine and mm-hmm. Gaza and Ukraine and Russia, like a lot of um, discord. And so let's just take a moment, all of us, to offer that up as a prayer right now. Perfect. And Darlene, I'm going to ask you to help anchor in a prayer in a second. But yes, let's, just take, let's just take a moment to be honest with our hearts right now in ourselves and just offer up anything that we might have be holding on to that's really hard for us to let go of right now. Something that maybe is challenging, maybe there's a situation in our lives that has come up, a something in the world that's come up that's nugging, like kind of a thorn in our sides, tugging at us, and it's really hard for us to let go of. Let's offer that up right now to God, to the Holy Spirit, to all the angels that are here to support us, to you know all of the family that's here helping each one of us to open up and let go and hold and anchor in the light in a deeper way. So, Darlene, would you help us anchor that in with a prayer? Yes, of course. Divine Holy Mother, come. We all are experiencing this right now. The images that you have shown, the the vision of how deep we need to be and release that mortality of anger as real and natural as it is, release and allow because it goes so deep beyond generations and centuries. And we, as we are here with you, Holy Spirit, we are given permission to let it go, to recognize it, to allow the awareness of it, but then to give ourselves permission to let it go through you, through you, we are so grateful. Here it is. So be it. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Another thing that you were sharing, Reet, that I just was hearing is so important to emphasize is I heard you say that your dad focused all of his energy on what he could do. And Correct didn't pay attention to what he couldn't do. So, and put his focus on the things he could do, which in his way at that time was helping others, right? Well, there's another piece that's really important. And yeah. that piece is he had peace inside of him. He never let the situation break him. He didn't let them determine whether he was a good person or a bad person. He didn't let the them determine if he was better than or less than. He didn't let them determine whether he mattered. He knew himself and he knew he mattered. He would not could would not let anybody break him. And mm-hmm. that inner peace allowed him the ability and that's what we're all working on. How do we heal these pieces? And we get help, whether it's the process with therapy or FSD with CLM, with oneness, so many avenues. And he, he had that inner love. He had the divine presence in him. And he knew when he wasn't in that space, he knew he couldn't act. But he never let anyone break him. And so mm-hmm. he had that kindness in him that radiated out 
from the time I was a kid, everyone who met him would say that about him. And that's what I'm working on. That's what a lot of us are working on. And that's something he spent almost 10 years every second of every day. He wouldn't let them break him. He stayed in that space of light, determining his own reactions, allowing for Mm. his own freedom and growth. And that's something that we have to want and that's something we love to want to work on because if we don't believe in ourselves, we're blaming ourselves. If, we're, if we don't want to look at healing it, we may not know how to do it, but we have to want to want to so that we can get the help to do it. And it's usually a blind spot. So if we try to think it out, it never works because we're using our blind spot to help us. But that space that allows divine presence also the belief in ourselves and our light so that we don't let the fear be in charge. So, of course, there's fear. Of course, there's worry. But that's not in charge. The divine presence, light, is what's in charge that allows us to operate. So he had to constantly change his focus on what he could do, not what he couldn't. Then he practiced it so much, he was good at it. And we have to keep practicing. We can't just want it. We have to practice it. But we have to want to want it. And... Sometimes it's like we're stuck in the shadow space and the trauma space rather than the light. So it's okay to have fear and all these, but we have to become aware. And if we let the fear be in charge, then it gives everybody fuel to attack. Mm -hmm. So that's the Mm. other piece that I think is so important. Yeah, that's for all of us. And that's what allowed him to stay positive because he didn't take it personally. He was personally affected. But he didn't take it personally, so it didn't tap into traumas of the past that happens to us when we take it personally, thinking we're the problem in everyday mm-hmm. life. And that's, that's one of the things. Fun. Yeah, that, I'm just saying that's one of the things that I think is what allowed another piece of the twinkle in the eye. And he mm-hmm. loved helping people. He thought everything should be a win-win. If he got a deal on something, he passed it on to others, so we, everybody benefits. That was inside of him. He got a lot of pleasure out of giving. And so Mm -hmm. when he had fear, he focused on, he would worry, whatever he would worry about, the answer would come to him after, you know, he'd wake up in the morning with the answer. But he never spoke when he was in an upset space. He he waited for the divine presence to guide him. And that helped Mm -hmm. with the twinkle. He believed in a bigger picture. And he said, something interesting because as you asked me, Miriam, what would he say to us today with all that's going on that you mentioned? And when we were little and things were going on in the world with the wars in Israel and other places, my dad would say, everything that happens affects us. Because I said, it doesn't, we're in Montreal, this is so far away. And he'd say, everything that happens affects us. And sometimes it takes 100 years for us to understand but he saw a bigger picture as well, so he could see the positive, and that helped with the twinkle. And he could always see the belief in possibility when the divine presence was with him, which is the good blood. And all of us can access the good blood, but we have to see what's the blocks that stop us and want to work on it and get the support to work on it. And so this is, yes, my dad is his stories, but he would tell us we all have the power within us, and we, have to act, we can access it. Mm-hmm. We all have the uh, good blood in us. I think the other, that, uh, there's so many jewels in what you're sharing, 
that are each one of us can anchor in in terms of how to orient, how to connect, and how to stay positive and focused on mm-hmm. what's true and what is mm-hmm. true is light and mm-hmm. non-conditional love and that mm-hmm. presence. That's what truth mm-hmm. is. The thing that you also just said, which I think is also another moment for us to pause to just anchor in a prayer, is that he really believed that he mattered. He didn't let anyone mm-hmm. determine for him right. that he was lovable, he deserved to be loved, he was worthy, he mattered. And mm-hmm. as you said, a lot of us struggle with that. Right. Uh, really knowing that in our depths of our being, that in any situation, like you said, we let the the voices of discontent or the voices we've heard from other people get in the way of us actually letting that in. So I just want to create an opportunity for everybody to allow that to fully anchor in right now, that you matter, you are lovable, you are loved, you are worthy, you matter, you are lovable, you are loved, you're worthy. Darlene, do you have another prayer maybe you can anchor in with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. I have a, a question from for Arit from our listeners. What I'm what I'm sensing from them is every everyone is just they they are but what what I'm hearing is that the the twinkle they want to stand at the threshold of the twinkle and bring that with them through them and for others in service. And I'm that's what I'm hearing from their hearts. And so I will offer the prayer to allow the threshold come. Holy Spirit. Oh, we love you so much. All of the beautiful souls that are here that guide, that hold, that anchor. How grand even in these times of extreme shifts and chaos, there is always love, the energy of love in our own vulnerabilities, in our own holiness. May we touch each other's heart in the wholeness through the words, through the light, through these saints, that are intercessors for us now. We are here, Lord God, as you are. Amen. 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 I want to read this little part from your book that your dad was sharing about watering the plant. Mm -hmm. Great. I think there's a really important piece that I know you have some pieces to share on. But it says in the book, Erika, there's always something good that can come from the bad. Positivity is like a plant that we need to keep watering. It starts as a seed, and we have to water it every day. One day it turns into a flower, and then it just keeps growing. The problem is people always stop watering and nourishing their plants. They give up too quickly. In everything, there is a positive. And then you asked him in the book, 
so how was the war positive? And he says, every day I focus on how I could help the other prisoners. I knew as long as I could help others, I would be okay. Whenever I could comfort someone or help someone when they were sick, I felt better. I knew I had a purpose. And whenever I was able to, I would give a little of myself to others, even if it was just through words of hope. And then he, at some point somewhere else, just said that we're all connected and everything we do matters. So I bring that because I bring that into the conversation because I feel that it's really important to remember that, like you were saying, it's a continual practice of receiving. We, it's a continual practice of connecting and staying focused on the what's true. And, and that by doing that, then we actually are in greater service to others. And we can help right. others in ways that we wouldn't even know. And actually, I, I remember there's another story that your dad had, too, of how he in, helped save people's lives on that Yom Kippur and how that, like, by him holding his, his connection in light, how that helped others know what to do without words being spoken and then they weren't killed. Right. Well, some, more, any, some listen. Yeah. I'm sorry, keep going. I was going to say, if there's any, anything that you wanted to share around that, because I know that you had yeah. some pieces with that. Well, there was, my dad didn't share anything with me that he couldn't explain and he didn't he didn't he didn't know about near death experiences. He spoke seven languages. He taught himself to read and write English. He would read the newspapers. But he didn't know about the New Age movement or any of that. And so he didn't know how to explain to me that the light he possessed, he just lived it and talked talked as he did. And so when I went to interview for my relatives for information for the book, but his best friend who was with him in the Hungarian forced labor camp, shared a story of a Yom Kippur and they were in a barn and the Hungarian Nazi officers went, today's your day of liberation. If you decide that you want to renounce your, the Jewish religion and scum of the earth or whatever, we'll release you and you'll be free. And my dad knew it was a trick. And what he couldn't say anything because if he said anything, he'd be killed as well. And so he had to with the divine, this is before he got shot. So he had that life before, but nowhere near the way he had it after. It's like he had to die to live through all that he lived through and heal in the way he healed. But he, with his voice, with his, with the unspoken word, without, without saying anything, he spoke volumes. And Barna, how shared how he saved his life. He looked at Zoli and he, he knew he was frozen in place. He couldn't move. He was frozen. He wanted so hard to, to believe it and to move forward, but he was frozen in place. And a few times my dad, with that look, stopped Barna and a few other people and some others stepped forward. And my dad had to go to the light and know that there's a bigger picture somewhere. But he had to go to the light to know that that was the only way he could go. He could not go to the dark and see the horrific stuff. And of course, they were, they were executed. And then the Hungarian officers laughed. But he stayed in the light. And he knew that the light was what the support was. 
And that helped the other people who wanted the light. He helped them by being in his light. And he somehow knew that all the time, no matter what, we have to go to the light, not focus on the dark and the trauma. And the trauma's there. But if it's forefront, then we can't access it. And one of the things Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, it's one of my favorite quotes. He said, between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. In the space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And what happens is when we're focused on the trauma or the fear of the trauma or the memory of the trauma, and a lot of us, when, we, when energy, frequencies, when they match some trauma, we relive that from the past if we don't heal it. And when we're focused on the trauma, the space of light is replaced by the space of the shadow. And the shadow is what we focus on, which is what's happening so often. So the light is what allows miracles. One person can change things, but it has to be from the space of light. And he just, that's something in our everyday lives that we have to practice because not all of us in that contrast can go there. But even in our everyday lives, when we get upset about something, do we ask the question, what is making us feel inside? What do we need to learn? What do we need to heal? What help do we need? Or some people say the trauma of our childhood, it doesn't matter. But it does matter because that energy gets tapped into our neural pathways. And our neural pathways release hormones and neurotransmitters. And it'll cause us to be in fight or flight or cause us to be calm. Because even though we may not remember it, our body does. And so being that light and focusing on being in that light, that, that divine presence, the presence we get at CLM, the presence with all the healings with Padre and all the other healers, and Bishop Bobby and Dana and all, all the great, fantastic people. That's the light we want to access more. And we also want to be curious, or are we curious? Do we want to heal? Do we want to feel, or do we want to stay angry? But if we feel, what does it make us feel? That means we have to somehow go to the trauma and get support for us, because we can't do it alone. And so that twinkle is that allows the kindness in the heart. And so my great aunt Ellie, who was just so angelic, it's like she was 88, and she just, she looked so beautiful, and, and she said she, she forgave the Nazis. And to her, that means she didn't want to have angst in her heart because they knew nothing about life. She wanted to focus on what she could do. She wanted to focus on the divine presence. So she ha- had to let go of all those cords of hatred. And that's what we have to do in our everyday life and what's going on in the world. If we focus on what we hate, how is that helping anyone? Anger is very healthy, but if we just keep, getting angry at others and keep ruminating over it, it's toxic. Anger is healthy because it makes us take action, but if we take action at others in anger, then it creates toxicity, and then divine presence is not there. But we have to be curious to want to shift it, and if we're stuck, we have to want to get help to get unstuck, and sometimes it's so hard because then we have to confess there's a problem and that might trigger us, which my childhood did for me. It's like if you make a mistake, something bad could happen for my mom's lineage. And all of these our bodies have memories of. And so we want to heal it. So body work, 
mind work, they're all connected. They're all the same. They're all part of the package. The mind, body, spirit. It's so important to heal all three. And it doesn't mean something's wrong with us. It means we have the courage to grow and expand. And do we have that commitment to want to do it? We can't do it alone. We're all connected. We all help each other. We're all a community. My dad and my mom would have been so blessed to have a community of like-minded people who can help create change of light. And they didn't have that. They, it was silence. So we're in a place where we can look at things. And if we can't look at it, get support. We're really scared to look at it. We need support to help us. Or we can just do our coping mechanisms and stay angry. And it's hard to let go. I'm working on it all the time. And it's so hard. I go into terror for, because I'm working on lineage pieces and childhood pieces and my mom's stuff. And I was blessed because towards the end of my mom's life, we made a full circle. And there was such a healing. And my mom wanted my life. But the neural pathways are still there. The lineage pieces, the karma pieces, the genetics, whatever we want to call it, past lives. And that's what we want to open up to. And do we have that commitment? Because as we do it, it helps everyone else. Yeah. And, and what I, one piece I heard in what you were just saying, I mean, again, there are a lot of jewels that we can each anchor in for ourselves and where we are in our own path of healing and growth. But there was something that you had said about kindness, that mm-hmm. there was a level of kindness that was brought in in recognizing that in ourselves, mm-hmm. for ourselves, and in relation to others, even with your aunt. I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense of her forgiving the Nazis, to me, that is like an utmost kindness that she was holding. Because it says in your book, you know, I forgave the Nazis because I knew they knew nothing about love, about life about what is important and her recognizing the humanness in others and knowing that they were not in their light and they were not acting from their light, that that is not to hold that against them because they didn't know any better on some level. And that can be really challenging to do when we're faced with people or situations that feel like something is being done to somebody or to uh, to right. us, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it's hard to then hold that space of kindness, of love and light to say, no, I recognize that you are also struggling in your own way right. and I am struggling right. too. I have my right. own struggles. And I feel like that would, I just feel like we can all together in community hold a prayer right now in the world. Right. To right. hold that kindness, that mm-hmm. really seeing people in their light and allowing mm-hmm. that light to shine forward in how we respond and how we orient and connect. And Darlene, do you have an, another prayer coming forward related Absolutely. to this? Absolutely. Yes, I do. Thank you. It, it's, it's so interesting, and I hope that there's so much being given in between the lines on this this teleservice. There's so much. I'm sitting here in awe, looking. It's, it's like how we are holding and, and how we are allowing. When, when I was asked to, to help with this service, what I was looking at with everything that's going on within the world and 
aware of it. But what I thought was that we as humanity had come further along with with this these divisions. And what I was shown was that the Holocaust, the, the separation, the I don't even have a word for it. I thought we were further along. And I see that it's still in this little circle. And so we have a lot to to hold and love. And it all comes in through love. And that's why I'm being guided to offer the prayer right now. Awesome. God, divine spirit, holiness, all the names, divine mother, all the names that we hold in our heart that are understanding, English, ancient, love, love. So as we raise up into the mysteries and the miracles, and that's what we're living, this mystery, I, I just feel, God, the mystery, and we embody it. We are it. We love through, in, and for it. There is no separation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for everything. So be it. Amen. 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 There is no separation. I love that, Darlene. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Every, are there any last kind of parting words you feel your father or your family members, your aunt or anyone would want to share with us in terms of to help us stay connected to the light and help us hold that space of love, even when we're in tough situations. Yeah. I think one thing before we even go there is one of the things that allowing people to have a different perspective. It's I grew up and I went to Hebrew school, you know, we did this book of laws in the Mishnah, and there was one rabbi who said one thing, and another rabbi who said another thing, an interpretation for the exact same problem. And there were about 10 different interpretations, but all of them were correct. So if we allowed people to have a difference of opinion, rather than beating them up for not feeling the same way, that's another expression of allowing for diversity, allowing for people to be in their life, allowing people to, to, to be and being kind to people, uh, regardless of their orientation, religion, whatever, just allowing people to have that perspective that may be different than ours and not judging it. Because we may think intuition, if we the near-death experience, they thought he was crazy because they never experienced it instead of going, wow, that's a different aspect. That's something we can embrace. And so I think my father would say we're all love and we have to remember that about ourselves and that allow that love and light inside of us to operate and heal the pieces that don't allow us to be that. And we're blessed that we can be in an environment where we can seek help to actually have the courage to heal so we can be more in our light. And my mom, it, it's like through food there was love. And so it's really about how can we be kind to ourselves and to others. My dad was very kind to himself. When he had a headache, he laid down. He surrendered. He didn't say, oh my, I can't do this or I can't do that. He just surrendered. If he didn't feel well, 
he let go and he surrendered and he healed faster than anyone I know all the time. And when my mom felt that, she actually surrendered as well too, to help healing. So it's like being kind to ourselves is so important. Make it a win-win, my dad would say. Be kind to yourself and helps you be kinder to others. Mm. That would be my dad's parting words. And my mom's gold chain was her most important possession. And that reminded, that's on the cover of the book, which has a story of its own. But that reminded her of love and possibility and hope. And we have that inside of us. That'll help us. And it'll offset all the negative fuel. Because people, if we're in fear, they have fuel. If we hate ourselves, they have fuel to get to us. And so the Dalai Lama says, don't let the behavior of others destroy our own peace. Learn to love ourselves. Allow the divine presence in us. And that will help radiate out. So as kind as we are to others, if we are, we also have to learn to do that for ourselves. I guess that's a long-winded way of the message. (laughs) No, that was... There's, as as Darlene said, there are so many pieces in what you're sharing that you can listen in 10 different ways and get 10 different messages just by the mm-hmm. sentences that you're saying because there's, mm-hmm. there's a richness and a depth in what is being offered to receive right now for each one of us. And that's such a beautiful message. I'm, I'm just acknowledging our time and... I'd love, I can continue in this conversation for a lot longer, but I know we need to start getting to the point of closing this teleservice. But I think that's a really beautiful way to end is by really that message of kindness, kindness to ourselves and how that kindness can spread out. And so I want to thank all the angels and guides and beings of light that are here right now that are supporting each one of us, that are holding each one of our hands so that we can bring in a deeper understanding, a deeper recognition of knowing the light, knowing our divine essence is light, knowing that above anything in any situation, we have that ability to be kind, kind to ourselves, kind to others, kind to all those around us, even non-human and other objects as well. Thank you to Elite family and her lineage for helping to support all of us in having a clearing in our lineages right now. Mm. There is an immense healing of our lineages happening for each one of us on this call right now, where anyone who is stuck in unforgiveness is being offered a bowl of light, a blessing of grace. Thank you for bringing this forth and helping all of us to heal. Thank you. Thank you. Darlene, do you. you have do you have a closing prayer as well? I, I do. Thank you. And Miriam, what you just said about the angels, the beings, the the light, I was going to comment on that as well. It's just full. 
the space we've been holding is just full. They're pushing to see who can be first in line. It's just <laughs> so much, so much love to, to be there. It's, it's spectacular. And one, one last thing before I do the prayer is Ron Roth, one of his favorite prayers was the Shema. And I can mm-hmm. hear it. I, I, I can hear it every time he would, would want that. And this is no exception. So he's with us in that, in that energy. So may I close. Holy One, we are collectively holding space for you. How grand is that? There are no boundaries, no illusion. The presence is manifest now. The healing is blessing all who now enter into the energy of light. We will carry it as we find our seats in your sacred circle. It is time. This God presence, your presence, isn't it something? This God presence. The ancient rhythm of you, deep within the earth, all is so very deep, and there's light. We won't get lost. We listen to this rhythm. We touch. We forgive. We love. We bring that kindness. Always love. So be it. Amen. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Thank you all for being with us. Thank you all, the guides and angels, for being here now. Thank you, Irit, for sharing so beautifully from your heart and helping all of us to access a deeper level of healing. And thank you, Darlene, for your anchoring of prayers. And thank you, Thomas, for opening up this whole session. And Pat for behind-the-scenes tech support. We bless you all and hold a healing light and presence for each of you as you move into your dream time tonight. May you continue to receive healing and receive blessings upon blessings allowing all of this light and all of this letting go to be released, to be opened. We bless you with new freedom, new graces, new inspiration, new kindness. Amen. 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 Thank you, Miriam, for flying with us. Thank you, Miriam and Darlene and Thomas and all of you for being on the call. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Love to all of you.